Once again, everyone, to After Further Review with Mark Ferrer and John Pelkey. I'm John Pelkey. <laughs> I, I just wondered it's if like you... It's like a question. You, it's like I know. I wanted to see if you would take it off my inflection. No, no I thought... I, I was co- sort of waiting for the next thing. Is like, am I or am I? I'm right. John Pelkey or am I? And frankly, most people out there, John, would choose the latter. Yeah, I'm sure. Are you would. really John Pelkey? I'm not sure. Uh, I can't confirm nor deny but I am Mark Ferreira, and in the future, when you do that, I will take it as a lead-in, my friend. Lots to talk about today, though, guys. we got reopening things to talk about. We have live sports this weekend. NASCAR is going to race. Um, baseball, it, 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 it seems, from what we're seeing on social media, and we knew this would happen, Mark, uh, the players are pushing back on the money issues, and that's I still... We were the first, I think we were the first show to break that. We were the first we show did. to we break that, John. We broke that news. We broke that news. Um, but a lot of people were very excited. I'm sure you saw this and putting stuff out on social media. Oh, baseball, they've got a plan. And I, I said, hey, hey, my new favorite phrase, pump the brakes. I'm sure you hate that, Mark. Well, um, yeah, of course I do. Of course <laughs> you do. Right. Slow your roll. Any of those any of those <laughs> phrases that are adopted well, worldwide. Okay. I sort right. of so any of those phrases, do. I just do. I'm sorry. I do. I, I understand that. So whether it's slow, slow your roll or bump the brakes, you hate them. But the bottom line is it's what we all have to do with this yeah. baseball story because there's a lot there's a lot to get over uh, as, as far as to, uh, both sides coming together before we're going to have a true um, uh, decision made on Major League Baseball is. and where they're going to go. Also, we're going to talk a little bit on the show today while well, we're going to talk about our poll question, which uh, we're going to talk about the fact that there were uh, con- there was confusion. And I blame myself on our See, look at you. That's twice in the in in like five minutes that you've taken full responsibility, John. I'm I'm, I'm growing as a human being. Well, perhaps. <laughs> wow. Per, Not perhaps the slightest bit of credit. Not no, 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 no. I I I call I I said it is real really good. But I mean, go fr- going from a compliment from taking responsibility twice in three minutes to. I'm growing as a person <laughs> is a bit of a leap, I would just say, wouldn't you? Seems, seems fair. It's, it seems very fair. Um, so anyway, going to cover that. We're going to talk about the best decade in the NBA based on the 100 best players in the NBA, which we were going to do in the last show, and now is pushed over to this show. And it's unfortunate, not that uh, we had to push it over to the show, Mark, uh, I, something I want to talk about, but there's all kinds of stuff popping up now that we need to talk about Um as far as uh, at the reopening, as I said, baseball, NASCAR, Formula One looks like. We knew motorsports might get back quickly. Um, all of those stories. Uh, Brett, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Brett Favre. Boy, there's a, there's a slip. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a press conference as we come to an end with our taping today. Our recording, I'm sorry to everybody under the ages 50 now is an issue with me. Um but Aaron Rodgers, apparently the story's out there about him being unhappy with what the Packers did. Not, Mark, necessarily just the Jordan Love situation, but the fact that the Packers passed on uh, giving him some more weapons to work with. So it's going to be interesting to hear what Aaron Rodgers has to say. He's been in contact with Brett Favre, which is ironic given what their relationship was supposed to have been when Rodgers got to uh, Green Bay. There's just Lincoln Riley 
has come out on the on uh, come out publicly on how he feels about opening up college football. Mark, there's far too much to talk about. And normally in this situation, what you and I would do was we would just fold the tent and go home. Well, yeah, we would just not talk about any of those things. Too much to talk about. And just go on and on about whatever reaction is out there right now, which is which is my preference, obviously, because we sort of wait for everyone else to do the work, to do the initial reaction. And then it's up to us to, you know, not necessarily mock it, although we have spent a lot of time. As a matter of fact, our last show, the entire opening of our last show that we would play every single day of the week would be a series of you mocking all of the other local sports talk show hosts, which was one of my favorite things of all time, John Pelkey. Yeah, it's uh, good. Many of those guys are, are, are no longer here. I know they, you know, they have passed away and that's, that's too bad, but, uh, I don't, I don't believe they've passed. Oh, away. you meant they're just retirement and right. I'm not right. sure they've, is that true? I, I'm not sure about any of that. Uh, I think, they, go yeah, ahead. There has been a little, they had Some of those guys have retired. All right. All right. You dispute that. You believe no, no, no. that they, in fact, have passed away. I know. Mark, are I you know. breaking news that local Orlando radio uh, go ahead and say who have uh, Jerry O'Neill? Jerry, you see, you're going to go out on a record and say you believe Jerry O'Neill's passed away. I do not believe that to be correct. We but he has retired. Died. Is that right? He has. He has left. Yes. I, Better. I, he was around for a long time. He's a left. Staple. He's and, left. And, us. and we, we made fun of him. Some of the other. Uh, but you're right, John. There's so much. And so now you're the guy driving it today. Yeah. And it's really, in a lot of ways, you know, up to you to kind of steer us in a direction that we can at least uh, scratch the surface with this multitude of, uh, of, of topics out there. And uh, I'd like to spend at least two, three minutes on seven, seven or eight of these different things. And uh, okay. I leave it in your hands, my friend, to try and navigate it. I'm uh, anxiously awaiting and I, I trust that you can do it. All right. Well, that that's probably misplaced trust. I think. Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, frequent listeners will know that that is uh, that is misplaced trust. And and speaking to frequent listeners, thank you. Thank and you to try, seven. Try to get someone else listeners to frequent that we as well. But there are a couple of stories, Mark, that we're not really going to cover in segments, uh, full segments, but things that we we need to touch on them. Uh, one of them being the James Harrison story, which I think to jump into first because it's out there, sort of front and center, because it's right. it's an NFL story. Yeah, uh, which will always take precedent. But James Harrison, who was uh, notoriously, um, well, hitting to the echo of the whistle, I guess, and perhaps sometimes less than within the bounds of the rules. Um, I like that phrase. Thank you. Thank you. Echo uh, of the whistle. I love that. He is uh, he is alleging that in one of these uh, one such incident, when he was with the Steelers, uh, knowing that he would get fined. He, well, he didn't really actually say he was a little bit nebulous about this. Basically, what he said was after uh, a hit that he made that was um, that would he got flagged for it. He would eventually be fined seventy five thousand dollars. That would be less than fifty thousand dollars. In any case, he says that after that game, Mike Tomlin head coach of the Steelers walked up and handed him an envelope. Now he didn't talk about what was in the envelope, but well, he, well, yeah, exactly. The, uh, it, what essentially is being said is that he was paid for the big hit. Now he's walked that back a little now. And again, John, if we put it into context, he had a hit that wasn't even flagged at the time. This was 10 years ago. So this was in a way ancient history in terms of the NFL rules for defense. 
He wasn't even flagged on the play. It was it was a play where he really was trying to jar the ball loose, and he didn't give his full power that he normally does. And um, it was one of those things where where the player, you know, kind of ducked at the wrong time. Regardless, he went to the commissioner's office to defend himself, along with the GM of the Steelers at the time, who evidently was as vociferous and vigilant as defending James Harrison as James Harrison was himself. The fine was reduced from 75000 to fifty, and then after the fact, Mike Tomlin gave him a an envelope. So whilst it's still, I guess, quote-unquote, a salary cap violation if you give players extra money that's sort of non-reported. Right. But it's not a bounty. It's sort of, we'll pay your fine, or we'll pay half your fine, whatever it was. You know what I mean? I think that's what this particular thing was it it was technically illegal in terms of salary but that's not nearly as bad as a bounty and it probably wasn't a good idea for james harrison to bring it up now because it's put all these people in a bad position but but that's where i think it was i think it was right. tomlin and the organization saying dude we, we're behind you yeah you and saw it was, our gm defend you we're right. going to pay your fine or we're going to pay half of it it's not like it's a bounty payment it's like we're going to pay a fine that we think is unjust they should have yeah. given him an extra five grand to keep his mouth shut for the rest of the time. Well, <laughs> well, and the way that he sold it as yeah. he gave me an envelope, it made it sound, you know, like, uh, wow, great hit. Here's here's your money. And it was on uh, Muhammad Masakoy when he was with the uh, with the Browns. And again, if you right. watch it, yeah, it was a he, he probably hit a little too high on his body, caught his head uh, to a point, And it's a it's a pretty vicious hit. But I really think if you if you broke it down within you know, 10 hits that you would see in a game. It's probably in the top three or four more vicious hits, but it, 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 it certainly didn't look, at least to me, didn't look like a, a, a hit that would, uh, would initially be outside the bounds of what you see in a football game. And certainly not uh, more vicious than hits you would see from James Harrison, who alleges that part of the reason that he was fined on the play was because, this is the sort of thing that they the, the league thought he was a chronic uh, abuser of the rules in this in this way. So uh, for him to come out and say, well, he handed me an envelope afterwards. I mean, he did he did that damage there to make it sound like he insinuated that it sounded like a bounty gate situation. But when you think about the timeline of what happened again, when you scratch below the surface, when you take another, you know, look at it after further review, if you will. Ah, then it's clear that the entire organization was defending him in front of the commissioner from the get. Right. And they still slapped 50 grand on this guy. Now, I know these guys make a lot of money, but 50 grand is still 50 grand. And the Steelers, being the stand-up organization that we all probably think they are, because, you know, if, if anyone is, is a stand-up guy, it's Dan Rooney. And they, you know, because of the timeline, it seems obvious to me that they're just helping helping to pay his fine or paying the entire fine. Right, and I it's think it's not as if they're saying thank you. This is this is what we've set you to do. Right, we want you to go through this whole thing so you go in front of the commissioner. I mean, that's a gigantic pain in the ass for that organization. Yeah, you know, I I agree, and I and I think uh, again, it came 
it's just the way that Harrison presented it. It's true. It's 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 um, it's James Harrison, and it's also the media just smelling red meat. You know what I mean? He, yeah. If he had said, he, I, I think if he'd even just said, "Listen, yeah, when I got that fine, it was down to fifty. The the Steelers chipped in to help me pay it." It probably would have been a less of a, a firestorm of a story because being nebulous to a certain extent gives everybody all of these wild um, areas that they can head off on. So I just thought it was interesting, and I thought it was great that Harrison pointed out that the NFL was sh- uh, selling pictures of that, uh, framed pictures of that incident that hit on Massacoy for $55 on their website. Uh, but apparently it was outside the bounds of... Uh, of what he was supposed to do. It's just, and, and I have not articulated this nearly as well as I would like, but I think it just, once again, Mark, it evidences a, how any NFL story will grow beyond its <laughs> right to, for lack I of mean, a better term. It, I mean, and it is the unbelievable. Horrible, the horrible inconsistency in the NFL about how they police a lot of things. All right. Now I'm going to hijack this for like a minute and a half, John, because, because it's an after further review thing. I want Jeff to chime in on this as well. What do you think is the reason why the NFL, to your point, you bring it up. It's a great point, John, that it just gets more air. It gets more kindling. It becomes a bigger fire regardless of the story, simply because it's the NFL. What about the NFL and the way we follow it? Um, makes it the sport heads and head and shoulders above the rest. I think it's what is it about our American character that we just want every bit of information. We're just ravenous about the NFL. What is it, Jeff? I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the, uh, I think it's now, now we don't have the stomach for 162 game seasons from baseball. We don't have the stomach for 82 game seasons from hockey and basketball. We ha- we do have 16 game seasons for the NFL. So because of our attention spans, we're much, much, it's the sport that everybody pays way more attention to it only happens once a week it only happens for a shorter season and it's something that everybody is able to kind of keep up on so i think it has become in american culture america's sport because it fits with uh, the way we pay attention to things you know back in the day you didn't have much more to do than sit down and listen to the radio in the evening or watch watch the game on the local tv I'm me included. I mean, this this spans into the 80s. I mean, you you literally it was appointment television still. And being in Orlando, I could watch the Cubs or the Braves. And we I watched a ton of baseball games, not teams that were my favorite team. So now you the NFL has become this thing that we all pay more attention to because it's a shorter season. It's uh, more it's still appointment television. And uh, that's why I think it gets so much attention. Plus, you know, uh, Mark, it 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 just to, you know, to Jeff's point, it just lends itself also, I think, as well to social media, uh, the immediacy of it. Uh, yeah. yeah totally. And 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 again, it's a, to, to that point, the 16 weeks, you know, it's like it, it's like event weeks. Exactly. It's not where you have to follow an entire season. The playoffs are one and done. There's not, you know, a seven game series where, you know, I've gotten so bad with the NBA that even the first round, I'm not checking in until I have some series that are, you know, down to uh, final games and things. It's just it. Yeah, it lends itself to a a viewing public that has a shorter attention span. And 
it lends itself to television and video as well as anything. Right. I think the, the, the more, well, the less attention span that we've gotten over the years, the more the NFL plays to that. And to your point, and we've said that a lot, is that every weekend, every Sunday is an event. It's an event. Every game in baseball isn't an event. Every game in hockey or basketball is not an event. Even their playoffs are not an event. The game sevens are, which is why I love the wild card game. I keep arguing that, John. You keep pushing back. But that's why that wild card game works for Major League Baseball. Uh, and you and you put more you put more onus on winning the division. But that's, right. an, that's another conversation. Oh, but you're right. It's, a, it, it's, it's event-oriented and um, – and that and that's why. And and it's I, I think that's a good point, Jeff, about the, the less attention span we have. I do push back a little bit on the idea that we had nothing to do back in the day. Well, I meant I meant from a people from a, had a lot to do from a, people probably had more to do back in the day. Life was much harder back in the day from a from a from a television perspective and sports perspective is what I meant. Like you could literally sit down and watch the baseball game every night and not feel like you needed to flip the channel over. You, and you're you, missing something yes, else, right? Right. There's so much yeah. going on these days, and we literally have the shortest attention yeah, spans. Check out and see who's on Milton Berle tonight, huh? <laughs> Dodgers game's not going the way I want. Uh, I wonder, wonder what Sid Caesar's doing. Oh, there it's, you go. Sorry, that's, it's that's when, a little look back there. It's Wednesday night or Saturday night or whatever it was. We have to watch Dallas, so we can't watch the, the Braves game. Leave All right, Dallas. Friday nights. If only I Dallas is only a forty-year reference. Sid Caesar, a seventy-year reference. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. John All and right. I are thirty years apart. All right, so much more to talk about, but uh, it is time to get to our progressive trivia. Looking forward to this one, Johnny. Yep. Now, neither Mark nor Jeff know the answer to my progressive trivia, so they'll be playing along. Though we won't, uh, we won't reveal the answer until the end, so you can play along. As you listen, look for a Major League Baseball player. Spent nine years in the majors playing for two teams. Career numbers of 292 batting average, 240 home runs, 800, 240 plus, excuse me, home runs, 800 plus RBI. Never won a World Series, and I'm a six-time All-Star. There you go. Major League Baseball player, one more time. Nine years in the majors for two teams. Career numbers, 292 batting average. 240-plus home runs, 800-plus RBI, never won a World Series, six-time All-Star. Now, isn't that interesting? That's a nine-year guy, which is a, you know, abbreviated career for someone who's noteworthy. And out of those nine years, he's a six-time All-Star. So it's like he was a flash, and he was major deal, and then all of a sudden he was done. Interesting. That's possible. That's certainly a possible interpretation. I mean, nine years seems odd, John. You know what I mean? Well, I know the answer, so it doesn't seem odd to me because I know how this all shakes out in the end. <sighs> but I thought I'd give you those. Those are, I mean, those are good statistics. Sure. You know, I, I think that you, this it, it's not so nebulous that you're that I'm going to get a lot of weird or people are going to think of a lot of weird answers. But uh, the, the, and now I will say this about it, Mark. This is a guy who. Uh, doesn't come to mind quickly for baseball fans, even. Right. So just, you know, but, think but about he's that. A, but he's a six-time All-Star. He is a six-time All-Star. More yeah. clues to come. But we do need to revisit a, uh, something we wanted to talk about last show, Mark, the Wednesday yeah. show. And that is 
the best decade for the NBA. Now, this was this was your story, and I agree. It's it's really fun to talk about, and I have an immediate answer for this, and I'm sure I'll be slapped down for it, and I think it's the easy answer. But this really came about because they rated the top 100 players in the NBA, and they came down to the, the final 10, and uh, we agreed with most of them, I think. Yeah. I mean, um, and I was basing it basically off the 10, John, but if you look at the top 20, it still sort of works, what what I ended up with. And what I ended up with was not my first blush, because I think your first blush is probably the 1980s. Is that true? Yeah, it would yeah. be. Which is, which is, I think, a standard first blush. You've got Magic and Bird. You've got Michael emerging. You've got uh, Elijah on. Um, you get that Pistons team at the end that were, you know, love to hate. Yep. You have a lot of, and, and it's certainly a renaissance period for the and NBA. early. Early in uh, early in the 80s, you had Dr. J, who was Michael yep. Jordan before Michael Moses Jordan. Malone. Yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of compelling personalities that came out of the late 70s. And I always feel bad about the 70s getting um, slagged because that's when I started to watch the NBA and uh, growing up in the D.C. area as a Bullets fan. And uh, they went to a couple. They lost uh, a couple. Then they uh, eventually won the thing in 79, I believe. Um so Which I, it, was it, probably the worst year of the NBA in terms of attendance and everything else. And that's right. why the discrepancy between the late 70s and what the 80s ended up being, really in the country too, John, you have to admit, even though I know you you think that Ronald Reagan is the worst president we've ever had and every problem we have in this country. No, 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 no. He's, he's, he's well, 44 okay. the worst. He's not, he's not the worst, right? But... Not by not by a thousand miles. Sure, sure. You would love Ronald Reagan any day of the week, wouldn't you? Ronald? Yes, yes. He was a he was a grown up. And but regardless, is that you have to admit culturally, sports wise, certainly economically, certainly narrative in terms of us versus the Russians and all the angst we went through in the late fifties with Sputnik, all the way through the sixties and the seventies. And the the whole race with them, all of those things turned in Ameri- in the United States' favor, including the NBA, which was sort of not on a death knell, but really by 1979, it was sort of a people did not like the the, the, the NBA finals weren't watched, and they couldn't sell out the NBA finals. I know it was right. Seattle versus Washington, and who cares? But well, I cared. I know you did, but you were like one of eight. That yeah, cared. and it was actually a back-to-back years that they did that. The uh, the Bullets won it in 78, and the Sonics won in 79. But, yeah, but, but it, I agree. Yeah, all of those things being being true, but it was just it, some of those late 70s guys uh, also bled into the 80s. So you so at least they got a little bit of the uh, – of the growth of the yes. league that really was exponential, like like a Dr. J. And and it is yeah, and and Moses Malone. Uh, I agree. Those are great stories. The Houston George Rockets. George Irvin, I think, also is one of those. Yep, guys. he 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 bled into the eighties. The Houston Rockets and and that team, obviously, Bird and Magic. By the end of the decade, Michael was the star, and it and and you have those Piston teams. To your point. Uh, it's a great answer, and I think it's the default answer. But I would I would argue it based on the top ten. 
And I know that it's tough to put people into a certain decade because you just brought it up. You know, careers bleed from one decade to another to really it's like rock and rollers. You know what I mean? There's the Beatles are obviously of the 60s, but the Stones, you know, what what decade were the Stones better? You could argue the 70s as opposed to the the Stones. The Stones first album came out, I believe, less than a year or around a year after the Beatles first album. So they're essentially of the same era, but doesn't seem that way. Obviously, the Beatles broke up at the end of the 60s. But uh, yeah, and with players, I mean, it's, you know, guys, you know, Dan Marino seems like an 80s player, certainly yeah. mainly, but he bled into the he, as he a played, viable guy well into his, the uh, 90s. Yeah, his last year was 1999. Right. Crying out loud. But we think of him as an 80s quarterback. So out of the top 10, let's start there and then maybe we'll go into the top 20. But you've got Chamberlain and Russell. They're in the top 10. They're obviously of the 60s. You've got Kareem, who Started many would 60s. say is the best player of all time. And I right. believe for his first year, his year, first year in Milwaukee was sixty nine. And think. it was, and yeah. it was, and he won a MVP, and Milwaukee won a championship in seventy one. But you associate him in the eighties with do. that Showtime team. Yes, you do. But he's really a seventies guy. Obviously, Bird and Magic you'd put in the eighties. I would say, Mike, if you're gonna if you're gonna make this a decade conversation, you have to put Michael Jordan in the '90s. I agree with that. Yeah, and if you're gonna make it a decade conversation, you've got to put Shaq, even though he was drafted in '93 and went to the finals in '95, you've got to put him in the 2000s decade because that was the those three first years of the 2000s where the Lakers won three in a row. That was Shaq. That was Shaq and Kobe. It was. That's that's a hard one for me. And part of it being, you know, that I was here in Orlando, as were you during that. And and even even though they didn't win a championship, I mean, he was in many ways the face of the NBA, not named Michael Jordan for a couple of years there. I'm sorry. He was. But. Michael Jordan blocked out the sun in the late 90s. Did a bit, yeah. And and even though Shaq, you know, of course they, you know, that tiny window when Michael retired, Shaq filled that. Shaq was the guy. But once Michael came back, Shaq was not the Shaq was a not an afterthought, but he was the next story down. Sure. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. But by the 2000s, it was him and Kobe and Tim Duncan. Which is why I would say the 2000s were probably the best decade. Because you've also got other stars in there in the top 20. And you could also argue that the 2010s are just as good as the 2000s, even though the only top 10 player in the 2010s. And I would put LeBron in the 2010s. Even though he came into the league in 03, got to the finals with Cleveland in 07. But his he went to eight consecutive finals in the 2010s. And let me ask you a question, Mark. Why do we have to, if we're looking at the best decade, why do we have to then uh, say that the player is of a specific decade? I mean, one of the things that made the decade of the uh, into the 2000s valid was was that Michael Jordan came back and played, uh, was still a part of it. I, I, in other words, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like we, they don't, we, we don't have to lock them in. We don't have to lock Kareem into, because I agree with you. I mean, so obviously so much of his career in the 70s and a lot of success, um, but he can be counted as to one of the reasons the 70s was good and one of the reasons the 80s was good. Well, and in that sense, you could say, okay, if 
if some of these guys you give two decades to, because you're not going to give two decades to Chamberlain, really, even though he won a championship with L.A. in 71, you're really going to give Chamberlain 50s, 60s. Same with Russell. But you will you legitimately can give Kareem two decades, 70s. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, on a lot of levels, you legitimately can give Michael two decades because yes. he was a phenomenon for at least three years of the 80s. Oh, be- yeah. They, before he started winning championships. Yeah. Yeah. And he I mean, he came into, you know, back back then, you, teams didn't build quite as quickly. And he came into a really bad Chicago Bulls team. That was a really bad situation. Um, and he was, you know, he became the only story around the Chicago Bulls for many years. And he was still, to your point, if not the biggest, one of the two or three biggest stories in basketball. And certainly they improved. And he was the, really the large reason, the largest region for that initially. But, yeah, you can you can definitely put Michael Jordan into two decades. But you can also put LeBron into the 2000s. He went to the finals in 07. He was right. the most great about rookie in 03 and in 09 that series with the magic that eastern conference finals where he had that last minute three-pointer even though they lost he was totally talked about so you could make the argument that lebron is both decades you can the the 00s and the 2010s you could make an argument that in the 90s i mean i believe uh kobe was drafted in 97 yeah. No, and, I would. I, and Duncan was drafted in '99, right? And I won would, a championship in '99. So. I would say, uh, you know, for me, you know, the first blush is the '80s, and you jump on that more quickly. But I, my argument would would probably tend towards the '90s more because there are a couple other things to bring into play with the '90s, and I think the uh, Pat Riley and the resurgence of the Knicks. I think that had something to do with it because, in addition to the teams that won championships, you need good foils for them. And if you look at that Indiana Pacer team, that that was just ubiquitous in the playoffs, and right. it took the Magic some time to get past them. The Knicks, they, I mean, they were always there. They couldn't make that next step, but they were always there. They were great teams, and Reggie Miller is one of the most exciting players to watch. So I really think the '90s, because it carried over. It took what, what happened in the 80s, was to put the NBA on the map. Also, sure. let's, not, uh, let's not underestimate the fact that ESPN comes along in 1980, in 1979, desperate for uh, content. And uh, the NBA season's a nice long season to show highlights from and to talk about a lot. And we saw a lot more of the NBA in the 1980s than we had previously as well. So that's why, like, the 70s and the 60s, you go back to what was most popular then. It's still less popular in, an all, in a lot of ways than things that came later just because we didn't have the access to it that we have now. But I would say the 90s. I would stay with the 90s on this. All right. Fair enough. And you're going to settle on? I think I'm going to stay with the 2000s at this point in time because, uh, or the 2010s because you've also got Curry and Durant in the 2010s. They're part of the top 20. You know, Hakeem's part of the top 20 as well. But but is you, it simply best players, more better, more better? I think it's a star-driven <laughs> Larger league, number John. of better players, is that what, what you're basing I'm, the whole thing on? I'm, I mean, that's what I was basing this on in terms of the best players, yes. But you can obviously use all kinds of criteria. But in the NBA, almost more than any other sport, it's star-driven. Yes. And so why not take the best players and determine what the best decades are from that. It was just a parlor game, like anything else we no, do. No, it's not. All we do is parlor games. And I by, agree, and I think it's fun. 
And and but, you haven't even mentioned David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Clyde right. Drexler, Allen Iverson. So 90s right. 90s is probably the one I would. Go I think with we too. just blushed on those Houston Rocket teams that won a couple that were with with Akeem and so yeah. I mean there's a there's a there, there are a lot of it. And I just basically if you ask me to do it throwing out this 100 best player thing which again that's that's another parlor game leading to yet another parlor game um i I just look at it in terms of teams and what kind of rivalries you had and 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 the the lay of the land um so that's why i would land on the 90s now part of that is also i lived in a in a city in the 90s where there was a team that did play that was generally in the playoffs more often than not and played uh, for championships. So that probably had something to do with it as well. Mark, you look so bored with this conversation at this point. No, no, point. no. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, folks, you should see him. Honestly, uh, he wants nothing to do with it. No, no, no. I'm just waiting for you to finish. You know, that's a, an, a, 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 that's a pose that I have a lot, ladies and gentlemen, during this podcast, waiting for John to finish. Dominique <laughs> Wilkins, to finish, Gary Payton. Go ahead, Jeff. I said Dominique Wilkins, Gary Payton. I'm just thinking of all the huge stars there were in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's where most NBA fans, at least of our ilk, would, would land. I do believe that, John. And I think the 80s is a legitimate argument and the 90s is a legitimate argument. But if you think about you think about Curry, you think about Durant, you think about Harden, you think about Westbrook, you think about... Um, Oh my gosh! Yep, I've lost. There him. you go. No, our MVP from last year. Oh, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Clippers. Kawhi. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it goes on and on and on yeah. and on and on. The 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 San Antonio Spurs are a major major dynasty that we never talk about. That's it's primarily true. the 2000s. They were boring. Now, why Tim, were they Tim, boring? Tim Jeff? Duncan. Why is, would you say they're boring? Tim Duncan is one of the most boring stars. Of all time of any sport because he is he's blah he didn't really he wasn't flashy he wasn't define blah he doesn't I I, I, no personality no flash in his game none of that he was a he was a worker that got rebounds and had an interesting uh, shot uh, down deep but John Pelkey wouldn't you say that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could be considered that as well yeah he was in the movie Airplane. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, no, you immediately honestly, no, move away from Tim Duncan when you say that's that. That's a mic drop. I've heard that for years. Tell your dad to drag Lanier and Walton up and down the court. I mean, no, still, it's just classic. I agree. My dad it's, says you never hustle. Go run back on defense. I, I will give you Luol Sindor. Okay, I agree. Boring. No. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar airplane recently. Didn't someone say see airplane recently? Maybe uh, it was a, a family thing because everything bleeds together these days. John oh was God, yes. That, the days he doesn't even know what day. I don't, I don't know what day it is. I don't know I who thought, I've talked to from one minute to another. So until eight fifteen last night, I thought yesterday was Wednesday. So there you go. Yeah, I, I really I had was no idea. Not was it not? No, today's Friday. Okay, so it was Thursday. So see, you, you, even you don't know. All right, listen, we're way over time. So we can talk about this more. Obviously, this this deserves like an entire show, but we don't have that time. We have to get back to our progressive trivia. Good job. I've got job. no guesses from Mark Ferrer or Jeff Taylor. With our Major League Baseball player, we remind you remind you of the first four clues. Nine years in the majors for two teams. Career numbers: two ninety two, batting average, two forty plus home runs, two hundred forty plus home runs, eight hundred plus RBI. Never won a World Series, and I'm a six time All Star. Our second set of clues: three time Golden Glover, spent my entire career 
in the National League. I've never won an MVP, but finished second twice. My postseason numbers, 290 batting average, six home runs, 13 RBI. Give you a little bit of an idea of how many postseason series you played in. So do you want to get those to you again, guys, or do you have, have you written them down? Or you, you know what? You know what I'm missing, John? What's that? Uh, an era. Right. You're not you're not giving me an era. Right. Any basic idea of an era. Well, and I also said at the top, past or present. And I think you just oh, when you said nine years, it sounded like it was that was as, as long as his career. I've spent nine years in the majors. Hmm. So I did not say that that was tricky. It is possible that it is a pres- present day player. Sure. Boy, you just fishing for extra clues. <laughs> That's you. You're the guy. You're becoming that guy, Mark, that, you know, the walk by to make their way to the restroom at the ESPN club. Who has a guest? I am not becoming that guy. And, and, and walks by and is like, it's not Steve Garvey. Thinking I'll go, yeah, it's Steve Garvey. And, I am, you know, uh, I knew that. No, you How didn't. dare you? you it's not. How dare you accuse me of being one of those? Who's the, the by The drive-by answer guys. No way. Is, is that guy the same guy as uh, I'd, have been, I'd have been in the Hall of Fame if my, uh, if my high school, ba- my JV baseball coach didn't hate me? Is that well, the same guy it as is, it is because because as he's going into the bathroom and he doesn't want to face any rejection at all. Right. It's not any oh, any and he phrases it as if it's not this guy. So he's protect. He's insulating himself from any rejection as he's leaving the scene. He also if you say no, he says what? It's close, though, right? Yes, it's exactly the same guy. All right. Fair enough. So one more time, I'll run them down for those of you listening. Nine years in the majors could be past or present. That could be his whole career. Maybe maybe still playing. Who knows? Two teams. Career numbers, 292 batting average, 240 plus home runs, 800 plus RBI. Never been to a World Series. And I'm a six time all star. Three time Golden Glover. Entire career in the National League. Remember, he played for two teams. Never won an MVP, but finished second twice. And postseason numbers are 296 home runs and 13 RBIs. Now, I know we're a little bit out of order here on the show, Mark. We've been running late on a few things that we talked about. Uh, I want to get back to this NBA thing at uh, a later date because I think it is an interesting it is an interesting question. And now I'm thinking more about how you determine what a better what a better era is, because I look at the 80s now and it's like, well, yeah, but it was Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics with a few uh, a smattering of other teams thrown in. And that's when everybody says the best era of baseball was the 1950s. And I'm like, sure, if you lived in New York, right. it was amazing. Right, exactly. Because it was, you know, a couple of Giants years there, but Dodgers, Yankees uh, a lot of the time, and Yankees almost all of the time. So is that really a great decade for the baseball fan? Exactly. I mean, every year, John, if I'm not mistaken, every single year of the 80s involved the Celtics and the Lakers in the finals. Yeah. Every single year. Yeah. So there you go. And, you know, the NBA got lucky in a lot of respects with that. And they also got lucky because college basketball had started to grow. And Magic and Bird, the national championship game, Michigan State and Indiana State, I believe, was the very first NCAA championship game that wasn't shown on a tape delay. It was a live 
broadcast of that game. So a lot of a lot of things in in play, but uh, some compelling arguments for uh, for all of those decades, really, when it comes right down to it. And 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 uh, I'd like to apologize for the, the entire Duncan family for things that were said. <laughs> so, how boring just, he is. Really. But if God. we come up with a if we come up with a, uh, you know, maybe a two or three uh, set criteria. criteria? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Then I think we could really have a great discussion. And but it, I think it would take us hours to come up with the criteria. And we, we have three it shows would. a week to do. So we, we might uh, we might do that. Why don't we ask our, our listeners to come up with that for us? Yeah, absolutely. That's what we will. We won't have a new poll question until Monday. We're going to reveal the uh, the answers or what we got uh, for our last poll question here in just a moment. But we won't have uh, a new one until Monday for next week. Though we may give you a little bit of a preview of that. But as always, if you want to visit our email site, which is podcastafr at gmail.com and leave us your opinion, and then your opinion on, on, on that one is as valid as anything. What are the criteria for the best decade in the NBA? And if you have an idea of what that decade is and you want to make that argument, you can make that argument as well. Because it's, you know, there, there are a lot of criteria that come into play there. And I will not argue or entertain argument that the 1950s was the best era for baseball. That was only good if you lived in New York. So that, I'm sticking with that point. I'm that's sticking with that. I mean, there was some great baseball, obviously, but yeah. It's called Outside. in the Ken Burns series, it's called the capital of baseball. And the whole thing takes place in New York. Barely yeah. anybody else is interviewed from anywhere else in the country. I don't think there was a World Series in the 50s that didn't involve the Giants, the Dodgers or the, or the Yankees. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm. I'm pretty sure about that. No, I'm. I'm. I think you're 100 percent correct. Just like there's not a finals in the NBA in the 80s that didn't involve the Celtics or the Lakers. Yeah. So, so does that make for a great? Does that make for a great? Uh, I don't know, John. It's a good question because there are some people like you who hate greatness. I don't like. No. You I don't hate like dynasties. dynasties. You hate greatness. You hate greatness. I just don't like dynasties. I just don't like. <laughs> dynasties but see if you're a new york fan if you're a yankee fan you love dynasties if you're 40 if you're like me i love dynasties i love greatness i love teams that can make a run unless it's a team i hate which is why i was so happy the seahawks didn't win a second consecutive super bowl but i love that i would love to see kansas city go on a roll in the next few years i don't mind a couple of championships or two over three years or even three over like a five-year period it's just you know, it's like, and I had not, I liked the New England Patriots back in 2001. I was kind of a Patriot fan as a kid growing up. They wore red and white. The boys club team I played for were red and white. I thought, oh, well, they're kind of fun. I had a soft spot for Jim Plunkett, still do. Sure. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Should be. Um, and, and all of that. But but I'm bored with it at this point. Right, and I got really you. In fact, my team, my team, the Redskins, are in no way were in a position to challenge for anything. Only a couple of playoff uh, in the, since 2001, they've only played in the playoffs a couple of times at, at, at the most. Um, but it just got boring. It just, after a while, and it, it really bothers me more than things like college football. Cause I'm so sick of Alabama at this point. And I'm sick of Clemson now as well. Um, you hate but, Trevor Lawrence. No, I just think he's going to be an enormous bust. But I think you hate him. That's the reason you think he's I don't a, hate him. You have I, not presented any evidence as to why he's going to no. be a bust, except that you just hate him. I, first of all, I never said I hate him. I just said I thought he'd be a bust. I'm saying right now, I don't hate him. I wish him the best. And if he proves me wrong, great. I just don't think he is going to be a successful NFL quarterback. Fair That's enough. Me. 
I'm going to stick with that. All right, let's jump down and give our uh, let's give our final progressive trivia clues before we move on to our poll question, Mark Ferrer, because I'm not getting guesses from you guys. I haven't got any guesses from you. Uh, Jose Bautista is Jeff's guess. Incorrect. Uh, with that, so uh, let's give you the the first uh, first eight clues again. Nine years in the majors for two teams. Career numbers: two ninety two batting average, two hundred forty plus home runs, eight hundred plus RBI. Never won a World Series. Six time All Star, three time Golden Glover. Entire career in the National League. Never won an MVP, but finished second twice. Postseason numbers: two ninety six home runs, thirteen RBI. Over the last eight seasons, I've averaged just under thirty home runs. A season, 29.3-something, I believe it is. Led the National League in home runs and RBI in 2013. There's your error, Mark. I was drafted by the Dodgers, but made my Major League debut for another National League West team. And I led all first basemen in fielding percentage in my first season with my second team. So now you know he broke in in the NL West, not for the Dodgers. He played for another team, and he led all first basemen in fielding percentage. That should really give it away. Toronto's in the National League, right? Uh, Jeff I, is I absolutely correct, by the way. Jeff, you are correct. And wow. Toronto, yep. Jeff's guess is correct? Jeff's guess is correct. My second correct. one, I would guess Bautista, who has never played in the National League, if I'm not right. mistaken. right. <laughs> No, it's funny when you do a progressive, Mark can tell you this, too. You get fixated on a couple of clues, and then you forget about another one. And so that's uh, – but, yes, you are absolutely correct, Jeff. And I think you would I, I think Jeff is a genius with progressive trivia. I, I've come to that conclusion, John. Or he's hacked my mine and your phone, and I think there's a decent chance of that as well. <laughs> well, <laughs> regardless, he's still a genius because that's part of what the genius is, is to know how to cheat without getting caught. Well, I'm not going to tell – I'm not going to tell Pete Zicky, I think Pete Zicky cheated last night, John Pelkey. Do you? No? Yeah, with Michael Vick, come on. Okay. I mean, you had no idea, right? I did after the second set. Remember, I I, I was confused as to one, uh, one that I still amazes me. I think it was played for four teams, which I still can't remember what all four teams. I know it was a, New like, York, the Jets and the Steelers. Yeah, I re- I didn't remember the Steelers, and I and that's somehow the one I that was this that was the team that Zicky remembered. Hmm. I mean, yeah, he does. He he he, he what? He you know. I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm not going to accuse him of cheating. Jeff, on the other hand, I'm going to. I, I I literally am on this show. You're going to gonna have some we'll really see, bad we'll emails we'll sent out. No, but Jeff, do you agree with me when I said he's a guy? He this is a a terrific baseball player. He's an all star. Six out of his nine years in the majors. But people people don't know much about him, possibly because of where he started his career. True. And he's just not a guy who comes to mind. Yeah. He almost he he might player. he might also be boring. He might Could fit into that boring. Tim Duncan category. He's never in how the media. You, how did you figure that out, Jeff? No World Series. Put up puts up good numbers. First baseman. Right. Yeah, I thought that that would be the giveaway. The first baseman because I almost and said what team? I don't even know what the second team is. I uh, he he plays for the Cardinals now. Plays for the Cardinals now. All right. See there you go. And that's why Mark. I just need to know Cardinals more about. Sports. I think I just need to know more about sports. I think that's the problem. I'll tell you what, if you if you get into a dynasty fantasy baseball league that's as serious as anything in your life and uh you have to pay attention to everybody on every team, you will know a lot more about baseball. 
And that's you, right? Yes. And I won't lie. I'm in a lot of fantasy football leagues, too. So I know a lot more about football than a guy who typically I don't like football that much. So I know a lot more about it than I really should. And the NBA is a sport I love. So I think that may have a lot more to do with uh, with my ability to get regardless, Jeff, regardless of the reasons. Uh, he is an official progressive trivia genius. John he Thomas. is. Now, we'll give you the answer uh, at the end of the show. We're going to go, go uh, let people eh, think about it a, a little bit. Our good friend Lenny, I know he he loves the progressive trivia, so give him a, a minute to think about it. But uh, this is a guy we should talk about more, Mark. But apparently, he's I agree. Tim Duncan of Major League Baseball. <laughs> he's, the, he's the Tim Duncan the of this Tim era Duncan. of Major League Baseball. The only difference, of course, is the multiple championships that Tim Duncan has that this guy doesn't? This guy, so you know, been in the league nine Jury's, years. Still, Jury's still, still out. Some time. Plays still for some a, time. Plays for a World Series winning team now, so things could be better. Plays yeah. for plays for the uh, second most World Series winning team next to the Yankees, the St. Louis Cardinals. Believe Boy, it. Or you not. just needed to get extra clues in for my progressive trivia, didn't you? Now well, you no, said Jeff the always said Jeff already said he plays for the Cardinals. Oh well, that's a good point. All right, fair enough. I just wanted to blame you. <laughs> Well, I all know. right. I mean, that's part of what you need every day, John. No, it really I'm is. I'm not around every day for you to like. It sustains poke. me. It really does sustain me. All right, you running me yesterday about this damn thing you 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 said about Peter Segal. It's like my gosh. It's like Peter Segal. I just had a I just had a reaction to it. It was, and a funny, it was a funny line he said. It was. In reference to something else that the president had said. Sure. And as opposed to commenting on the funny line, you got into what the, the political thing the was. The actual issue. The actual issue, and that wasn't it. We were just and, and it offended you. Evidently, it offended you. I don't think I was alone. Well, no, you weren't. You and others, you and Riley, were offended, which is like, uh, this is sorry really I offended bad. you for an Riley was offended? To, to a joke. Riley was offended? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they Maybe. both were offended, both and they, offended. you know, they they talked about it amongst themselves, which they love to do, and they, you know, did they not talk about it, it amongst ourselves. They had to make it public, and it's like, okay, I'm sorry, I offended you, but geez, he's I mean, just, it's like it's okay. I mean, I, I I truly am sorry it hit you that way. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to offend. If you had, if you were offended, I didn't mean God Almighty the non-apology. Apology. Well, no, I'm not going to apologize for what I said. I'll certainly be sorry that you took it the wrong way. And I assumed you would enjoy it because it's Peter Sagal who's the host of uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell funny. Me, which we've which we've invoked in many of our preparatory meetings for after further review and you've shut down every one of my ideas about wait wait don't tell me but that's okay wow <laughs> all right airing our dirty laundry I'm well, fine. No, no, no. it's well, fine I'm wait just, wait I'll, don't tell us yeah exactly oh my just god keep, just keep it a tease just keep it a tease yeah you know, they just get a there's a joke and they're like you know i i just i i did have a reaction that wasn't necessarily an expected reaction i would say that and i went into the politics of it because i think the politics of it are this is horrible listening for anybody who doesn't I even know what the so. subject is. i don't think so i think this is actually why people listen to us john pelkey this is they don't listen to us for our take on freaking james harrison they listen to us because of our disagreements personally about how we behave in life <laughs> I, 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 need to, I don't need to know what the quote was or what the politics were. What I would like to know is, were you offended because he didn't laugh at it as a, laugh at it as a joke? I think, yeah, I think I was most offended. Yeah, I understand he didn't just that. Go, That's really funny. Yeah. And then 
could have gone off down the, the down the side street of discussing the politics of it. Yes, I understand. Instead, it was as if he missed all of that. I, I just assumed that the joke was on the other side of the buffet and Mark hadn't gotten to the joke yet. He'd only seen he'd only read the part, which is odd because that was the second part of what I sent him. Uh, but uh, you should that, have that known that Mark on the other part of the buffet. You, you should have known that Mark doesn't know that there's other parts of the buffet. I should have known that. You're right. Well, and he yeah, jokes about that. But there was something about this particular thing that that got him, that got his goat a little bit. Because like when I don't get when I don't get the the omelet, when I don't get the lovely omelet and I just have gruel on my plate. He's not a gruel and melon. Well, he just a hell of a buffet. Because he's, you're, on a, you're on a cruise he's, ship. He's able he's to make a joke of it. They offer you gruel and melon. What the hell is wrong with you? I but mean, honest to God, how many cruises have we been on together? We've been on more cruises than a married gay couple, for God's sake, together. And you assumed that on this cruise, that, uh, for breakfast, uh, they're breaking out the gruel and the John melon. John always says... Melon. The food's not the star. He always leads with the food's not the star. The food's not the star. I, so can, can I, I just go with that? Can I dig a little bit deeper? The sure, the cruise ships that you guys go on, which are multiple, all have the same breakfast restaurant. They're yes, all the buffets exactly. are exactly the same. It, it took me seven or eight years, Jeff, to to, to figure it all out. I'm no, I'm not very bright. I think people who know me well understand that. Oh my oh. goodness. Just just bleeding over, just bleeding over with all of this personal stuff. That's perfectly fine. At this point, at, at this point, I the every night I break out in a cold sweat thinking, Christ, tomorrow I have to come up with a sports story to talk about. What in the hell? And I'm running him by my wife, who's just looking at me like, whatever. I don't who cares? Just go talk about something. And she's very supportive and stuff. But. Oh, my God. Maybe we need more of this personal stuff because I'm running out of sports stuff to talk. I, about. I think that's really the brand, John. I mean, think about it. It's 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 really the brand is like the hang, the hang with Mark and John at a party, probably at your house because you're the consummate host. Really and we're just yakking about things we have very little real knowledge about. Sure. We have sure. enough. We have enough to get oh. passionate about it. No, so. it's that whole thing. And I'm sure you guys went through this as well. When you first go to college, everybody takes a psychology class because they think, oh, this will be really cool. So you learn, like, you know, let's say psychology is made up of four trillion facts. You learn, like, 34 of them. I was and say now so. you, can, you can dissect everybody's psychology the minute you mean i'm 56 years old i have not been in college for 35 years i haven't taken a psychology class for probably since 1984 but man you want to sit down and talk to me about somebody's behavior and 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 what the triggers of that behavior are and uh, you know what they're carrying over from their childhood i'm your huckleberry i don't have a friggin' clue what i'm talking about but i can talk about it for a long time you can and and i have that gift as well john we can take a very little bit of knowledge and extrapolate on it <laughs> ad infinitum. But it's interesting where I land, because I like the psych classes too, but I was more excited about the sociology classes. So what does this say, Jeff? I think that makes me just a typical liberal, that I'm really looking at society's ills as opposed to individual ills. Well, I'll be honest. Wouldn't you say that that's me, a liberal mentality as opposed to conservative who says, you know. No. What, I, what I've taken from this is that, that John is a psychopath and you're a sociopath. 
Right. <laughs> that's fair. That's Mike actually Trump. fair. That's pretty damn on on point, John. Yeah, Duncan. it really is. It, yeah, I think that's true. Though I think we both uh, kind of bleed over into each uh, each one of those things. So, oh boy, this has gone off the rails. Were there rails? Oh my god! Can I, I, can I tell this? Rails, can I tell this Charles were. Barkley story? This is so good. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So Charles Charles Barkley uh, ha- got sick, and he had a lot of symptoms that could have been the coronavirus. And before he uh, before this pandemic kind of broke out, he was very busy. He went and talked to the uh, Anaheim Angels, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and uh, the Georgetown basketball team. So when he got sick, it was news that that Charles Charles Barkley possibly had coronavirus. So Mike Trout starts calling him and saying, hey, will you let me know if you have this virus or not? I need to know. I'm, I'm freaking out. He's calling him multiple times a day. Charles Barkley is getting sick of Mike Trout. Then Patrick <laughs> Ewing hears about it and starts reaching out and, and, and asking, hey, I need to know if you have this virus. You were around my entire team. You're around me. I need to know if you have it. So Barkley gets tested and the test comes back negative and he reaches the first person he called was Mike Trout said, I'm negative. Mike Trout's like, thank God. And, and Patrick Ewing, same thing. Oh, thank God you're, you're negative. And Charles Barkley, of course, his take was, these guys did not give a shit about the fact that I wasn't sick. They only cared about the fact that I didn't get them sick. Yeah. God, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, in the end, that's why, you know, Patrick Ewing never became the most lovable guy out there and why Mike Trout despite his Joe DiMaggio, Albert Pujols numbers to start his career, will never be that guy. Or and, and the MLB is trying so hard. They play a commercial ad nauseum of him throwing the ball back and forth with a kid in the stands, which is something he does on a regular basis. Still, he's boring. Nobody yeah, cares. It's forced, too. It's forced. It's not real. If, yeah, if, you can't. And yeah, that's the whole thing. The face of the game can't be forced. No. It has to be somebody who steps up and gives you a reason why they would be the face of the game. And then you like can the build Buster around Post. that, for instance. I yeah. typically I typically go against this grain. But I think the best thing for that Mike Trout could have possibly done was to bail on the Angels and go to the Phillies, his his hometown team. And he would have been villainized, but that would have made him interesting. Maybe, maybe it's the Phillies, though. I know, and they and they don't move the needle. They, hey, honey, uh, they, they they really you don't. Watch a, you want to watch a baseball game tonight? I, th- I don't know what else is on. <laughs> the well, Eagles, the Sixers, the kinda, Flyers. That's kind of freaky. Um, <laughs> hey, there's a there's a uh, <laughs> that's kind of freak. Twenty two year old rerun of Jake and the Fat Man. And what's the game? Oh, it's the Phillies and the Brewers. E. Jake. The Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Underrated show. <laughs> uh, just, that has such legs, John Pelkey. Really does. <laughs> Jake and the Fat Man. All right, it, let's jump back. Let's jump back and give the answer to our progressive trivia, and then we'll get into the poll question. I know we're running late, but what the, What else do we have to do? What nothing. else do we have to do? The answer to our poll question, and I'll give you all the clues again. Nine years in the majors, two teams, career numbers, 292 batting average, 240-plus home runs, 800-plus RBI. Never won a World Series, six-time All-Star, three-time Golden Glover, entire career in the National League. Never won an MVP, finished second twice. Postseason numbers, 296 home runs, 13 RBI. Over the last eight seasons, have averaged just under 30 home runs. It's 29.2-something per season. 
Led the National League in home runs and RBI in 2013. Drafted by the Dodgers. Made my major league debut with another NL West team. Led all first baseman and fielding percentage when my first season with my new team, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the answer is Paul Goldschmidt. And I think mainly due to the fact, guys, that he put up the vast majority of these numbers, obviously, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and that's another team where I, I just, they don't have any juice with the public that uh, that aren't just either massive baseball fans or that have maybe a, a, a dog in the hunt. They're National League West fans or obviously people who live in that area. But it's kind of like I would say this about Mike Trout. He is he is toiled in obscurity, essentially, in Anaheim. If he'd have gone cross town to the Dodgers, he'd be the biggest star in baseball. I, I agree with you there. He, you can so be I think boring Goldsmith, in a Dodger. just because of where he's played. I yeah I I I think that that uh, Arizona definitely is a place where nobody pays attention because even Granky didn't become a huge star. We all knew about him, but he became a huge star when he bailed. Yeah, and I only became uh, I, Paul Goldschmidt came to the fore for me with beginning of a baseball season. It was probably right around 2013, might about to 2014 when uh, MLB TV gives you the free like two weeks of the season, first couple of weeks of the season. And it started out when the Diamondbacks were in a series uh, with the Dodgers very early on. might have been the first series of the, of the uh, year. And so anytime that I could listen to Vin Scully, I would tune in. I'm not even a Dodger fan. I just like to listen to Vin Scully. So they'd have those late games on, and they were playing the, the Diamondbacks. And it was like, oh, who's this Goldschmidt guy that yeah. honestly never heard of? Uh, and he's putting up these really, really good numbers. He's a perennial all-star. So. Yes. All right, so that is our progressive trivia. Now we move on to our poll question. Well over time, folks, buckle up. we got more to go through. Our poll question last week, Mark, and there was confusion to our poll question. There was. There was, and it's going to lead into our next poll question, but uh, we won't give that away quite yet. But people, uh, our poll question was most devastating, heartbreaking player loss for your right. team. And people went on a... Um, a rant and a roll of uh, actual losses of their team, actual moments that were the most heartbreaking for them, which is great. Those were gr- they were great answers. This they were thoughtful answers. They were poignant answers. They were truly heartbreaking answers. If you're a sports fan and you know the history of some of the greatest devastating losses uh, in sports history, the, those were great answers. But they weren't. The answer to the question. They were sadly not the correct answer. No, and 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 I think you got a little, you got a little annoyed by that. Did, John. did it seem like I was annoyed? Did it seem I, like I, I was mean, a little annoyed? To me, you were like, you know, what what is it? Do we need to rephrase it? Right. Well, what I do we have to do? I didn't. I didn't lash out as I wished to the people who answered it incorrectly. No, you That's lashed just, out to me, which is yes. appropriate. Right. I just thought, uh, you know, they always talk about people, and I think we all agree with people don't read past the headlines anymore they right. don't get into the meat well apparently people don't even properly read the headlines is what i took from all of that is that uh, people just just they aren't. take every third word <laughs> yes absolutely that's it they take every third word and put it together but uh the question was most devastating player or coach loss and i i chalked, chalked it up to a coach because i said steve spurrier leaving uh florida and that was a double whammy because he went and stunk up the joint with the redskins and mark your you had a couple yeah, Gaylord Perry was the worst for me because the Giants had just come off a division championship and they traded their second best pitcher next to Juan Marichal. And he promptly wins a Cy Young for the Cleveland Indians, which were probably the most moribund team in the 
in all of Major League Baseball next to the Senators at, at that time. And, uh, and he went on to win another Cy Young Award with the San Diego Padres. He was the first uh, pitcher for years and years, almost 20 years, to win a Cy Young in both leagues. And then the second one was Charles Haley, who was by far our most feared uh, sack artist. He was a linebacker, but he was a tweener, if you will. He was a uh, lineman and a linebacker. And won two World Series, I mean two World Series, two Super Bowls with the Niners, traded him to the Cowboys, and he won three with them. And uh, anyway, so those were my two big ones. And we got a lot of great answers, John Pelkey. We, we got a lot of great answers. And, and, and a couple of them had to do with things that you predicted which were, you know, tragic events off the field. Absolutely. How many uh, how many voice memos did we get uh, from from folks on that? Or did they just not chime in? Were they unable to compose we, themselves enough to chime in we with got, a voice memo? We got one voice memo on uh, improper answering of the question, which I assume is someone that you did let know that that wasn't the right question. And then they Ooh. fixed their answer. And then we got another one, another actual answer to the question. Yes, correct? there are two. Yeah. Yep. Here they are. Tom Marino here from the left coast. My biggest um, heartbreaking player to leave my team, the Angels, was Nolan Ryan in 1979. Uh, Ryan has been pitching great. And Bavese, I guess they had some contract issues, and Bavese said that he could replace Nolan Ryan with two eight and seven pitchers. Uh, so Ryan said, well, let's see. Okay. So he... Signed with the Houston Astros, I think it was a million bucks over the next three years. Stupid, stupid move by Bavese. All right, thanks, guys. Hey, guys, Lenny here. For me, without a doubt, hands down, was the Roberto Clemente plane crash in 1972. Uh, as a young kid, I still remember it almost uh, 45, 50 years later, like it was yesterday. One of the saddest times in my life. Roberto was a true icon in, in, the, in the eyes of the Pittsburgh Pirate fans. The second one was, and it's a little disappointing for me, was the day Urban Meyer left Florida and came to Ohio State, and I realized that it was going to be a bad news for my team, the Penn State Nittany Lions. Thanks, stay safe, and have a great day. All right, both good ones. And I remember the Clemente thing. I was seven. Uh, Roberto Clemente had just gotten his 3,000th hit. I believe in the final game of that season, yeah, um, and uh, and then went off uh, for uh, earthquake relief in Nicaragua, and his plane yeah. crashed, and the plane was never found, nor was uh, Clemente's body. That that that's a that is a big one because they had just won uh, the World Series the year before. Yeah, in '71, and then they, um, I don't think they won the division. They may have won the division in '72 and lost to the Reds before the Reds got to the World Series against the A's. But, yeah, Roberto Clemente, I mean, I remember seeing him in Candlestick Park having a seat in the, you know, the right field, down the right field line, down the first base line. So hit, him and right fielder was right in front of me. And I remember, you know, a hit with a man on first base and a hit to the corner of the outfield, right field corner. And, and there's Roberto Clemente cl- fielding cleanly and then turning and gunning it on a fly, on a line drive to third base to get the guy out. And I'd never seen anything like that in terms of, an, in terms of arm strength and arm accuracy. And um, that was rough. And especially, you know, he's out there trying to – I mean, Thurman Munson was very tragic. Yep. But it was a, a two- or three-day uh, break for them in the middle of August – I think in 1979, and he went 
back to his home and you know, not joyriding, but he was just having fun with his buddies flying a plane. And when they came around the fourth or fifth time, they, they landed a little early and the plane crashed and his buddies got out. But Munson was paralyzed when he hit the ground and he couldn't get out before the plane burned. I mean, it's horribly tragic. Yeah. But Clemente's out there, you know, giving relief, food and supplies to Nicaragua. And yep. the plane was just overloaded and couldn't even take off properly. So anyway, yeah, I agree that uh, Roberto Clemente is is a big one for, I think, way to your point, John, much more uh, breadth than just the local Pittsburgh fans. I, th- oh, yeah. I think most of Major League Baseball was like, I mean, they put him in the Hall of Fame the next year, I think. Yeah, yeah, they did. And and Clemente, who won a World Series in 1960, was with the team in 1960 and won a World Series, and then really toiled in obscurity for some really bad Pittsburgh team, small market team that wasn't very good through the rest of the 60s. And uh, then he's able to win again and uh, kind of solidify himself because he, he, because he toiled in such obscurity. People didn't really mention him when they talk about best players of its time. And he's one of the greatest line drive hitters of all time and maybe the greatest center fielder. His arm may have been as good as anybody's who ever played the position. Uh, but it's interesting because Clemente and Thurman, Tom, uh, excuse me, uh, 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 Thurman Munson are the only two who got multiple, multiple votes. Yep. 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 So- and, and, and it's interesting, you know, Nolan Ryan is, you, you talked about this day in sports history and um, uh, this day in 1973, Right, he he pitched his first no hitter, and he pitched his last one, John. Eighteen years later, yeah, eighteen yeah. years later, and he pitched his seventh and final no hitter. So, there's a uh, there's a great great story on Nolan Ryan. I'll put it on the after further review page because it is uh, in uh, May fifteenth, nineteen seventy three. Today in history was the day that uh, Nolan Ryan hit his uh, excuse me through his very first no hitter. Um, and there's a whole story on Ryan as a pitcher because he was largely a 500 pitcher. He, uh, he, he most strikeouts of all time, most walks of all time. Um, Nolan Ryan, who would uh, never back down to a batter, which is why they said, you know, he walks so many people. He's always looking for the perfect pitch and he, he wouldn't let the outfield do the work. It wasn't like throw this guy up an EFAS pitch and let him pop it up and let the outfield work. Now nah, he had to, to dominate him, which made him, and it's great in the article, maybe not the best pitcher of all time, but maybe the most exciting pitcher of all time to watch. And at times, maybe the most dominant. But uh, some of the other answers we got from this, Mark, and some of them hit home for me. Sure. Uh, I, specifically, I want to shout out my uh, my best friend growing up played football at the University of Virginia, and uh, he played for George Welsh. And George Welsh passed away within the last few months. And uh, he said that was the biggest loss for the pro for one of his favorite teams. George Welsh was no longer the coach and hadn't been for a long time. But he really put Virginia football on the map prior to 1983. Virginia football was about as bad. They consistently in top 20 worst teams in the country. And uh, so George Welsh, uh, Hall of Famer, Navy quarterback. George Welsh also uh, put the Naval Academy football teams into bowl games when that was just unheard of. So that was a good one. The other one that struck me, you'll appreciate this one, Jeff, is uh, Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, and Thurman Thomas all leaving the Bills. Um, two out of three of those really were devastating for me, and that is that the Redskins spent way too much money on uh, Bruce Smith and Andre Reed. So that really, really bothered me as well. I hadn't even thought of that one, Mark. Well, it's interesting because I should have put uh, George Welsh in the D.C. category because we have other D.C. categories with Gilbert Arenas 
you know, the the uh, Wizards were, you know, definitely a, a force to be reckoned with at the time. And Joe Theismann and his leg, Sean Taylor, tragic, tragic. That's a that's a real that's a big, big tragedy. Sean Taylor and the way that he was kind of treated by the media initially, yep. which we've turned around on that. But just think about how good he could have been. And that's all D.C., but George Welch is also D.C. And then you could maybe make an argument that uh, Bruce Smith and Andre Reid are D.C. as well in, in terms of what they inherited once Buffalo, oh, by the way, cut Bruce Smith, Andre Reid, and Thurman Thomas in the same day. So that's interesting. But I'll tell you the Cleveland stuff. <laughs> Those poor Cleveland fans. I mean, it it goes across the board with them. It's well, let me, let me leaving. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, we'll uh, I'm sorry. Go and you go ahead and go through them, and then I want to talk about one of these because I'm I'm going to call bullshit. Bartolo. No, talk to me because uh, because it's right. Jim Tomei, it's Bill Belichick, and it's Jim Tressel. I'm going to guess you're going to call bullshit on Jim Tressel. No, I'm going to call bull- bullshit on Bill Belichick. Nobody in Cleveland was losing their mind because Bill Belichick left Cleveland. First of all, the team left Cleveland. That would be the big one. The the flipping team left, but Bill Belichick was not uh, air quotes. Bill Belichick then, no, despite the terrible. fact that if you look back, he had success there. He did. He got them to the playoffs, I think, at least one year uh, with Vinny Testaverde. And, um, but the year they moved, the year it was announced they moved, they were 5-11. and 11. He got rid of Bernie Kosar. He was not beloved in Cleveland, no. to your point, John Pelkey. No, not at all. And, and not he at all. left the Browns when the Browns left the Browns. So you're right. It's not what? as if he left the Browns. <laughs> Some of the others, uh, for Red Sox fans, uh, Boggs and Clemens leaving. And I know a lot of Red Sox fans who will agree that uh, seeing Wade Boggs win a World Series with the New York Yankees may have been worse than uh, the 86 World Series <laughs> or the selling of Babe Ruth. That that really hurts uh, Boston fans. Um, a couple of other ones that uh, the magic situation in L.A., certainly that's a really good one coming out of nowhere. Uh, Magic Johnson and announcing that he was HIV positive. That was very, that was devastating for just fans of the, of sports. And if you think about it, the Lakers had trailed off a little bit only because they hadn't won anything, but they won back to back in 87, 88 and in 89, 90, 90, uh, 89, 90 and 91. I think they were in two of those finals. They lost one to Detroit when Magic was out the entire time. They lost 91 to the Bulls, and they I think they lost to Portland in 90 to get there. But they were in the champ. So they were still hugely viable, a hugely viable team. They weren't in the front of mind for every NBA fan, but they were second in mind. And for Magic Johnson after that, after they had just been in the finals against the Chicago Bulls and lost, to, I mean, that was a massive shock to the entire NBA system. Not yeah, just and that, LA Laker fan. And that yeah, and that really, really, you know, because of of, of what it was with HIV and how um, uh, uh, upfront that story was at that time, and we were really learning things about it. So, so that was that was a uh, very good one as well, and very, very tragic. Any more, Mark? You want to cover on this list that you found particularly interesting? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. Not going to cover anything else. <laughs> yep, nothing. Nothing. I just want to give you a last. I want to give you a. Last, I appreciate that. A I last minute that. chance uh, for that. Nope. Uh, How about they were all so very interesting, but we just don't have time. Yeah, we really don't have time now. Uh, for those of you who got the, got the question wrong and thought it was most heartbreaking uh, loss for your team, all we're going to say is please listen to Monday's show.
That that's that's enough. That's all I really have to that's say. All I need to say. That's all you need to say. Listen to Monday's show. Didn't yep. get to all the things in this day in sports history, but I did want to cover one, Mark, before we get out of here, because I sent you the article on it. In 1918, Walter Johnson pitched a one nothing, got a one nothing shutout win for the Washington Senators, which in and of itself, not that interesting. Game went 18 innings. That makes the game interesting. Sure. Went 18 win- innings with both pitchers going the distance. Yeah. Now, yeah. That's when baseball was baseball, Johnny. Yes. <laughs> uh, 15 years later, somebody else went 18 innings. And um, I wrote it down, and now I Hubble? put Was it Hubble? Put, yeah, Carl, Carl Hubble? Hubble went 18 and, and won a game. Did the same thing, a uh, won a shutout game. But both pitchers did not go all 18. And in this one, both pitchers went 18 innings. And I think you could, I think you can say without any reservation, Mark, it will never, ever happen again. There's no doubt about that, number one. It won't happen for one. Lefty Williams, by the way, was the other pitcher who lost a game where he went the distance and gave up one run. Yeah, 18 innings. Oh, by the way. So his ERA was .05, essentially, in the game, which is a great pitched game, and he lost, and it's 18 innings. There's there's no way this thing is replicated. And by the way, no errors in that game either. No. And there were no substitutions. So no. everybody went the 18. And that's never going to happen either. It's a good thing that's Buster Posey never... wasn't catching, because at some point, you know, Buster Posey would have been like, oh. Sleepy. Uh, he slid into sleepy? me hard. He slid into me too hard. Sleepy. Did you say sleepy? <laughs> yeah, he'd get a little, a little sleepy after 18 innings. Uh, you know, but those games started at, you know, 10 a.m., so he may That's not so true. Sleepy. That's so true. Uh, uh, one other one other good one, by the way, for uh, this day in sports history, and that is that uh, Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak began in this day. That's another one that, well, we haven't seen since. Nope, 1941. What a year. What a year that was. That was a great baseball season because that was also Ted Williams' 406 season. Yep. And little did anyone know that, you know, that was it for baseball as people knew it for about four years, at least, yep. if not five years. Uh, Walter Johnson is there's an argument out there, John Palkey, that he could be considered the best major league pitcher of all time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, the big train, certainly. If you if you look back at what he did, and, and of course, it is a, di- a different era. And again, you know, going 18 innings, that wasn't the norm then. Going nine really was. Uh, it was a much, much different era for pitchers. Uh, but he was as dominating as anybody. And he dominated. It was a little bit like Steve Carlton on the, what was that? There was a horrible Philadelphia team. 72 right? Phillies. Where Steve Carlton had like 48% of the victories that the team had that year or something. I, I, yeah, I think the team won. I think the team won 57 or 58 games and he won 27. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. And he's like a phenomenal pitcher for a team. That is one of the worst teams of all time. Yeah. And and uh, Walter Johnson, they, they did win a World Series in 24-25, but uh, that was a pretty bad team most of the time he was there. But he was dominant, and he was one of the original inductees into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, one more before we go. On this date in 1862, the very first baseball enclosure 
had their first game played. It was Union Grounds in Brooklyn. It was the first stadium where there was a fence around the entire thing so they could charge everybody who watched admission. Wait. And that's where it started going south. <laughs> where was it? And uh, it's called Union Gardens. Uh, what Union state? Grounds, excuse me, in Brooklyn. And this is 1862? 1862. For 16 years, it was used as a stadium. It would be 14 years for uh, what was then Major League Baseball, and then it was used for exhibitions and stuff after. Eventually, it, uh, it, it was shuttled alongside. A number of different teams played there over those early years in baseball, but it did open on May 15th, 1862. It was the first time there was a fully enclosed baseball stadium so they could charge everybody admission. And they played baseball, and this is uh, an example of how America's gotten soft, John Pelkey, because in the middle of a civil war, we're playing baseball. Right. But because of a flu we can't identify. Oh, boy. We, we, we're we not going to play baseball. We may. We may play baseball. It really just depends on if they can come together on the money, Mark. So follow the money. Why was that stadium and, and closed? We didn't even, and we didn't even get to that. Yeah. That's wait we did we did not well well there'll be plenty of time to talk about that they are not going to make a decision over the weekend I promise you I believe they've set uh, a date for uh, the 25th of May to have a meeting there's all kinds of stuff going on a lot of stuff we didn't get to touch on we will try to get to it next time um, Jeff Mark any final thoughts my final thoughts is that I I really enjoyed the show I think there was a lot of entertaining elements of the show the fact that it went a little longer than normal is, in my opinion, fine. There's just a lot, to, ironically, a lot to talk about with no sports actually playing. And I just think, um, I just think if, if there was someone at a party with, you know, John and Mark pontificating about things they know very little about, they would probably leave the party going, you know what? That was a pretty decent party. Or, yeah, yeah I agree. Or they just leave the party. Well, we know friends that do that. Yes, they just ghost. (laughs) They would just ghost. All right. Well, it's a longer show, but you have the whole weekend to digest it. We will be back on Monday. Remember, if you incorrectly answered our poll question and you gave us your most uh, devastating loss for your team, tune in on Monday. Uh, The times may catch up with you. There it is. How's that? See? Keep it positive. All right. For Jeff Taylor, our producer and the man who makes all of this happen. And Mark Ferreira, who puts up with me, and you could have a worse gig. I think everyone would agree. This is Ben. After further review, talk to you on Monday.